welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you have ever thought about how to get more engagement out of your email list, or maybe you've struggled with getting conversions out of your email list when you've launched a new product or a new service offering. Well, our guest today is Luke Charlton, and he shares with us simple and actionable insights on improving your email marketing list efforts. Now, Luke, also known as the Aussie Hermit, decided to quit his comfortable six-figure job, move halfway around the world, and start an online business as a coach. Finally, he figured out the formula for success and has helped over 4,000 coaches and businesses grow their business online. He is a marketing and online marketing expert. You're going to love this interview with Luke, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. My name is Luke, Luke Charlton. Title, well, I run a couple of businesses. So like, if you look me up on, on Google, I call myself an advertising specialist. But technically, I guess I'm a director of two companies. One's an agency that I run ads for high-ticket service professionals, coaches, consultants, experts. And then another one is I have a business partner in the other one. It, it's Again, it's a coaching company. It helps women to create a secure income, like a passive income for their retirement, showing them how to invest correctly. So on that side of things, I do the marketing and sales. And then my business partner, she is the one that actually delivers the program, like coaches on it, because that's her area of expertise on the finance coaching side. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here. And really, your expertise in advertising is why we wanted to have you on the show to talk a little bit about some of the expertise that you have. One of the things that stood out to me that I found interesting that you have some background in is creating a responsive list with cold traffic. And so the two seem almost opposite to one another with cold traffic and a responsive list, because normally you hear any kind of whether it's a cold list, cold traffic, the hardest part is getting any sort of just nudge of interest. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. So when it comes to cold traffic, for those that haven't run advertising before, I mean, it's in the name, right? Cold. So that these people... They don't know who you are. They're just, you know, they could have clicked on a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or a, a YouTube ad or whatever it is, whatever type of ad. Even if it's come from a podcast, it's still quite cold. Like they're still just being introduced to you for the first time. And that prospect is very different to warm. So warm generally means that they have heard about you before they opt into your list. So that could be a referral. Like if I said, you know, hey, Tom, go check out this coach. You know, she's awesome. And you go opt in, like you're, you'd be a bit warmer than opting into that list because there's that referral, you know, transfer of trust. So you'll get a better response from that type of lead. But when it's cold, you're really starting at like ground zero with the relationship. So you have to, you have to do the right things to build up that, build up that trust. Now, this is where a lot of us business owners, we take some shortcuts with our, with our marketing and selling. One of those being, you know, if you want to create a responsive list, it never starts with your solution, right? It never starts with your product. Whatever it is that you're selling, it could be an e-commerce product, it could be, you know, trying to sell a franchise, whatever it is. It doesn't start with how cool your solution is. It always starts with the market, what the market wants, what they need. So their fears, their frustrations, their desires, what keeps them up at night, and knowing that market better than they know themselves. And then when you know that, then you can create a message that's going to attract them. And this is where I say, like, you know, 
we business owners can sometimes take shortcuts in that we don't do the research properly. We kind of like, oh yeah, I know my market and we'll just leave it there without actually, you know, I've had some conversations with them, but they don't, we don't actually do the elbow grease, all that work to really find out all about our market, including all of our competitors and what are our, what messages our competitors are using. And I say this is actually where the money is made because this is where your prospects will give you the language that will convert them with your, with your campaign, whether that's advertising or whether you're doing like a JV promotion, email promotion or whatever. So you start there and that's really critical. So when you go to write your email campaigns, you can craft a message that is in alignment with what they're telling you that they're struggling with. And with copywriting, email copywriting, sales letters, whatever it is, VSLs, webinars, all you're really doing is just reflecting back the same language to the prospect. Like your prospect will literally give you the words to convert them in your emails, to get them on an appointment or whatever the goal is for your email or whatever copywriting you're doing. They will literally give you the words to use in your copy to get that action that you want them to take. So in terms of creating a responsive list, like the first thing is like know your market better than they know themselves. And the next thing is have a base level knowledge of copywriting, like study it. We even if you know it's even if it doesn't come naturally to you as a business owner, it's it's you know I was I'm hiring at the moment in my that other company with my business partner. So we we just hired some salespeople and we're bringing on appointment setters. And one of the things that I realized, employee attraction, like attracting employees to your cup to come work for you is just the same as client attraction, right? I had to like, I had to write the ad for this setter position and sales position, like as a sales letter, right? I had to write all the benefits and I had to think about, okay, what would, what would an appointment setter, like what was this dream employee that I would want, right? So think of dream client, dream employee. What would the market want in terms of this position? Like, what are they struggling with? And I wrote all the benefits. Like, you, know, you can do it part-time. You can work your own hours. Here are the good commissions. We're a growing team, great culture, all these things, right? The point is, from my copywriting experience, I could create a quote-unquote ad to attract employees. I had like 80, 80 women, I think it was, apply for this position. We only need, we need two people. So that was from two emails that I sent out. Two emails I sent out to our list, 80 people applied. And that was from my my copywriting ability. And so I was thinking, you know, learning copywriting will help you in so many different different areas of, of your business and also life, you know, <laughs> negotiating with your, your kids or your spouse is one of them. But but yeah, so knowing co- baseline level of copywriting is very helpful to create a responsive list and then getting a mentor. And now and then is also really critical. So, you know, we can't see our own blind spots. Even I have mentors look over my own copy because, you know, sometimes we're, we're too close. It's the curse of the curse of expert knowledge. We, we, we're so deep in our own solution that we sometimes can't see the blind spots. Like we can't see the, the best angle or headline for that particular campaign that we're doing or copy. So even myself, after all these years, I still get people to look over my copy. Now, in terms of strategy, which is probably what you're looking for, I always like to set the the context there because I feel like when I when I get into like people always ask like how did you become successful with copywriting and advertising? It's it's what I just discussed. If people are always looking for like what's the secret email hack or what's the secret Facebook ad hack? What's the new placement? It's not about that. It's about the those fundamentals that I just went over that people like they've heard before. But that really is where the money is made. Now. In terms of creating a responsive list, you do all that. You start writing messages that your list actually wants to receive. That's number one, right? Write a message that they want to receive. One of the ways that I do that is I tell stories in all of my emails. I say 95% or more of my emails are story-driven. I love stories for a few reasons. They're naturally entertaining. 
all of us can tell stories. That's how we were brought up. That's how we communicate to our friends, our family. We're always telling, telling stories. So it comes naturally to everyone. Stories are also a really great way to illustrate your point. Like if you're trying to, you know, talk about a certain principle or a certain strategy that you help with or whatever, telling the story about how you discovered this or a client or, you know, telling a story about, hey, I read this news article and this was really funny, but what I really learned from this news article was LMNOP. So a story, yeah, it, it really illustrates the point that in a really natural way. So I tell the story and then I transition to the to the call to action. But again, that call to action is an offer that I know that my market wants because I've done I've done the research. On that story idea that you're talking about there, we've had guests on to talk about writing or crafting in a story narrative type when you're writing messaging. And so I want to be clear that you're actually suggesting including in the copy an actual story that a client had or something like you were saying. So could you maybe just give a quick example of what that might be or one you've seen in the past? So the story that I'm about to read off. So the thing I have to say with email is like email, the, the medium of email, it's a little bit more casual than than like a proper sales that, you know, you're, it's, a, it's a personal kind of medium, right? It's not like you're writing an essay or it's it's a conversation, really. And so you can kind of get away a little bit more with email. You can be a little bit more casual, even, and I get this all the time, like, well, my my prospects are CEOs or executives of these companies or whatever, or they, you know, my my prospects are professionals. Like, yeah, but they're human beings, you know, they, they like to laugh, they like to be entertained. doesn't mean you have to be, like, unprofessional, but tell stories, you can make them laugh. That's totally fine. The framework that I that I use and I teach my clients is just story lesson close. So what's the story? Literally, it could be any any story. Okay, and I'm going to give you an example in a second. And then what's the lesson from that story? So the story can come from like a news article you read. It could be a personal story, like a high school story. It could be a story of a client. There are all these little stories all over the place, and 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 you'll see that as you go. Just being, you know, on the internet, they're all over the place, as you'll see when I give you this example. So you tell the story, then what's the lesson from that story? And obviously the lesson is related to the topic that your business is, or if you're coaching, if you're an expert, or if e-commerce store, whatever your business is based on. And then the the close or the call to action, story lesson close. And that's just like, what do you want them to do? What's the offer at the end? And every single email has has an offer, as a call to action. When I say offer, it just means call to action. It could be a call to action to watch another video. But generally, for my clients, it's like to book an appointment, right? Because that's where the sale happens. But for an e-commerce store, it might be to go buy a certain product, right? Okay, so this is this email is called The Fart That Broke the Internet. For whatever reason today, <laughs> by the way, I call myself the Aussie Hermit. You'll hear me say that here in, in just a second. For whatever reason today, the Aussie Hermit had the urge to type into Google the fart that broke the internet. I have no idea why. A thought in my mind just said, you've got to search this. And so because I never questioned such thoughts, search, I did. The results, security guard filmed all his farts for six months and went viral. Not what I was expecting. Honestly, not sure what I was expecting. But I was interested nonetheless. So I clicked the link and here's what the beginning of the article said. The internet's next viral star is a security guard at a Florida hospital who spent the last six months publicly logging his sonically perfect farts on Instagram. Now the 31-year-old is poised to turn his flash-in-the-bedpan success into a lucrative brand that can be summed up by his Instagram bio, The Fart Authority. Not going to lie, I actually found this pretty interesting. First, because I never knew there was such a thing as sonically perfect farts. Second, because this guy's videos have amassed millions of views on YouTube. Millions. And third, because it teaches us a sobering lesson about what people actually pay attention to these days. And that's pretty sad for us coaches. Here's why. 
Us coaches have incredible content that transforms our clients' lives. Even our free content is life-transforming, whether it's our email content, blog content, podcast content, or video content, we give advice that really helps. And yet many of us struggle to hold the attention of even just a few people. Let's take email, for example. Most coaches I speak with have great email content, content they spend a lot of time creating. However, they get barely any opens from that content. Even though it's truly helpful, their list tunes out after just a week or two. So what's going on here? Why is it so hard for us to get people to tune into our helpful content, but also easy for the fart authorities of the world to get millions of views on their content? The answer is obvious. Their content entertains. This is what gets attention these days. It's an important reality that the world would rather watch Netflix or YouTube or fart videos than consume our content. But hey, it is what it is. The Aussie Hermit says it doesn't matter anyway. We don't need to fight this. Instead, just go with it. No, I don't mean to say you should start filming yourself doing the one cheek squeak. That's missing the point. What I am saying is that while it's important your content teaches and adds value, what's also important, if not more so in these times, is that it entertains. Take the Aussie Hermit's emails, for example. It's not all teach, teach, teach. Sure, my emails add a ton of value, but I also make sure they entertain. I wrap all of my content in something entertaining. That way, my prospects look forward to my emails. They open my emails when they hit their inbox. They read my emails, and of course, they buy from my emails too. But that being said, you know the good news is you don't have to be a comedian or late show host to send great emails. Anyone, and I mean, anyone can send entertaining emails. You don't have to come up with the content. Your family, friends, colleagues, and internet, and more will just give it to you. You just got to know where to look. And that's what I teach inside my program. You know, go here to learn more. So that's actually a bit of a longer, a longer email than what I would typically write, but you can see how it works, right? Story, what's the lesson from that story? And then there's a call to action at the end. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And certainly in this case is definitely entertaining, got the point across and hopefully a few chuckles is someone's thinking about this and maybe they're saying, okay, Luke, this sounds great. I'm interested, but I don't know maybe the first place to start. So what might be some things that they could do to improve the responsiveness of their list or get better results with email that they might be able to start with today or tomorrow that they could do pretty quickly? That's a great question. Yeah. the, The biggest thing is the offer at the end of the email. So you can still send like an email that's just like full of content. And if it's got a really good offer at the end, like you will still get a response. So remember, Literally, the word response, like, what does that mean? The res- the response is like a direct response marketing. Right? That means you're creating marketing or like a, a campaign to get a response from your prospect. And generally, that's either to book an appointment if you're in high ticket sales like me or to buy the product. Or it could be to sign up to a webinar, which then sells the product or whatever. But you have an email with a goal, with an action that you your prospects, that you want your prospects to take. That's the response, right? So how do you increase the response? You make that more appealing. You make the part that, and this is where so many of my clients and coaches, and, and even I thought this over, uh, you know, when I was getting going, I thought the reason why they're not responding to my emails is because I just haven't taught them like, be- you know, better content. I just need to teach them even more content. Oh, if they really know this strategy, they'll really love it. So I'm just going to give away all of my stuff and teach, teach, teach. And it doesn't convert to sales, right? So when you teach, your prospect doesn't go, wow, this is amazing. I wonder what else they have, you know, how amazing is their product going to be? That's not how the mind works. When you teach in your emails, or it could be anywhere in a blog post, Facebook Live, when you really like hard teaching and, uh, and trying to get them to understand a concept, concept, it's using a different part of your brain. Right? So you think you can think of your brain as like a, the sales side, like getting sold. And then there's the, the teaching brain. It's kind of like the thinking side, right? So, and, and we've all had this experience, right? When we jump on a webinar, or anyone who's done a webinar before with a, with the goal of selling a product at the end, and I used to do this so often at the beginning, I would jump on and I would teach, 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 and then at the end, I'd have my offer and it wouldn't make any sales. 
And then I'll jump on these guru webinars and they would teach nothing. And it would just be all this like high level, really broad content that just doesn't help at all. And then they're making like millions of dollars. And it's like, you're like, but wait a minute, my content is so much better. The reason why is the content is not what sells them. Like, yes, they need like general idea of the strategy, right? That you're selling the general like overview of like, here's the system, like at a very high level, highly chunked if you know NLP, right? High level. What, you know, step one, step two, step three. And then you have a great offer at the end of that. It could be a sales letter, presentation, email. But the point is you, your, your content is to sell. It's not to teach your program or your product or whatever. That's where you give them the result they want. Because at the end of the day, like your emails can't really transform their life. They, they still have to buy your product. Same with sales letters. Like, so stop teaching in your in your, you know, your copy, stop teaching in mediums that are designed to sell. Like your email, email is a sales medium. It's not a teaching medium. Blog posts are a sales medium. I mean, people use them as teaching. If I was going to do a blog, I'd use it more as a, as a sales medium and write it more like a sales letter each of my posts. But anyway, use your content to sell. Don't use it to teach because the, the teaching doesn't, the teaching doesn't sell. The selling sells, if that makes sense. So. Tremendous. Great advice. And I think that that applies no matter what you're selling. So someone who ends up listening to this, whether they're the leader of an organization, they're selling franchises or selling their product or service, this applies across the board to what you're saying. Yeah. So I'll, let me expand. So when I say selling, it's like talking more about yeah high-level overviews of your product, benefits versus... You can talk about features, but minimally because it's like, what do those features allow the prospect to do, Right. As in, and, and that should be linked with like what they want to do, right? So you, if you want to come up with a great benefit, you just look at the, as I said, it always goes back to the market. You look at the market and go, here are all their frustrations, right? All their frustrations, all their fears, all their desires. And then I go, okay, how many of these desires and frustrations, you know, can my product address? Oh, it does this one and this one and this one. And so that, that's my copy there. Like, yes, I can help you with this. Yes, I can help you with this. And they go, oh, now I can see how your product helps me versus here are all the cool features that I have. And then, the prospect is left wondering like, okay, you've got these features, but how does that help me? And that's where we get stuck. And this is why I recommend you have a mentor because your mentor will help you go, no, that's a feature you're talking about. You need to link that with the, the benefit. So that's number one is talking more features. And again, it's very simple, but I find that we don't do the simple things a lot, a lot of the time. And I mentioned before about improving the offer. So let me expand on that a little bit more. So when I say improving the offer, right, that that's really what drives the response. Being very clear with number one, what you want your prospect to do click literally like click the button below book a spot on my calendar that's like number one be very clear for some reason we think that using ambiguous fluffy language is you know big words and stuff is what's gonna is what is good copy but no good copy is like simple straightforward clear language be very clear and in terms of improving the offer like what's the What's the big result? I just start with that. Like, what's the what's the problem? That's a big result. It always, it always goes back to the market. What's the main problem that your prospect that you're solving for your prospect? What's that main problem that your solution, whether it's an e-commerce product, franchising, a coach, if you're helping with relationships or whatever, what's the one main problem that you're helping? So for me, it's getting more clients. That's what I, you know. If you want more clients with paid advertising, you know, click here and we'll, we'll book. I'll have a look at your campaigns or whatever. But getting more clients or appointments, really, because that leads to clients. But yeah, the end final end result is getting more clients. So what's that main result? Is it reconnecting your marriage? Is it buying a certain cleaning product to you know, clean their shower or whatever it is? What's the main result, like the main problem that you're solving? Yes, there's going to be lots of little frustrations. 
But I just start there, like, and and explain, like, hey, click here, and I'll help you with LMNOP. You know, it'll help you solve LMNOP result. Like, start there, and then you can improve that by saying, hey, I can help you get this result in a certain amount of time. Right? This is how we improve. Actually, everyone's probably read this book, but Alex Hermosi's book is a really good overview of how to how to improve your offer, the hundred million dollar offers book. Yeah, so that will kind of tell you how to enhance your offer. But basically, it's like you know, what's the main result? That's number one. That's your offer. That's literally your offer is just like, what's the result that you're getting, that you're helping them achieve the main problem. And then you can improve that offer by having a time frame. Hey, I can get you this result in, in the next 30 days. You can add a guarantee to that. You can say, hey, you can get it for free. You can, so there's like, get it at a discount. So there's all these things you can do to then take that to the next level. But at the end of the day, in the simplest terms, your offer is just like, what's the result? And I find a lot of the time we business owners aren't even just speaking to that clear result like that one problem that we're that our program or product is solving so that's if you want to improve your if you want to improve your response get really clear about that problem that you're solving and and start putting that at the end of your emails great information thank you for sharing that and luke this is a great time in the show for us to just make a transition where we ask every guest the same four questions before they go and the first question we ask is have you had a miss or two in your journey and something you learned from it (laughs) yeah I, I should pull out my scroll of of all the misses. I don't know how to choose. <laughs> okay, so the two big ones. So when I, I liked to this month, August, 10 years ago is when I left my full-time job to pursue entrepreneurship, growing my coaching business. And when I started, I basically didn't get any clients. for. Tw- I got one client in 12 months. I moved to London as well. I'm back in Australia now, but I moved to London and and I had like, you know, I had a lot of money in savings. And then I basically came back in debt within 12 months. So that's that's like how bad it was. So anyway, one of the big mistakes was was kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like I was just like doing all this, trying to grow my business by doing all these different things. And so I lacked focus basically. And one of the things, the one of the reasons why I lacked focus is because I thought that the reason why I wasn't succeeding with my marketing and selling was because I I didn't have that bright, shiny object, right? So funnels weren't even around back then. We didn't really, I mean, the terminology was there, but it wasn't popularized like what Brun, uh, Russell Brunson has done. So I was just doing all these different strategies and it wasn't really a funnel thing. It was just like going on to LinkedIn and then doing, you know, meetup events and networking and webinars and a podcast. And I, you know, just did all these different things. And I thought the reason why I wasn't succeeding was because I hadn't found that that strategy, right? But what I realized, you know, looking back is that a new funnel won't fix a, a weak message or a broken message. So you could change, you could go to a low ticket funnel, you go to a high ticket funnel, you go to a webinar, you could do whatever marketing strategy that you want, referrals or whatever. But if you don't have a the right message, it doesn't really matter. Like you can go, you bounce around and it'll still be broken. You need to fix the message, which is kind of what we've already spoken about today, which is going to the market and knowing them better than they know themselves and then crafting an offer that speaks to that market's desires and fears and frustrations. And then when you do that, you can take that knowledge, that message, and you can put it in any funnel and it will convert. Okay. So that's that's one of probably my biggest mistakes back then is just not focusing on the foundations. And another one which kind of goes a little bit against what a lot of people say is I wish that I had started paid advertising earlier because I love paid advertising because you can test a message very quickly. Like within a, just spending a hundred bucks, I will know whether the message that I'm using is going to convert to appointments or not. I mean, I've been doing, I spent like millions and over $20 million in advertising at this stage. So uh, I have a bit more experience than most people, but yeah, I can tell very quickly whether it's working or not. And if it's not, I just turn it off and then I just test a different angle. 
it's very hard to find the, your message when you're doing like organic strategies because you don't have enough traffic. And it's like, well, is my offer not converting because I'm getting, I got three people, you know, opt into my list for the last week, or is it because it's just a bad offer? And so I like advertising because you can test very quickly. But what I would say is if you do advertising, get a mentor, work with someone one-on-one, ideally not in a group because they can't go in enough detail on, on your offer on your market to know what to fix. But work with a mentor one-on-one where they can really dive into your and a mentor that's actually got experience in your industry and ideally your market as well. So they kind of know a bit about the market and the competitors and the messaging because that will allow you to move forward really quickly. And you can test a lot cheaper. Like people think advertising is expensive. I'm like, for me, like wasting four, four or five years on organic strategies, that was expensive to me, right? So if I just... If I worked with a mentor right from the beginning 10 years ago and had him look over my messaging, I would be a lot further ahead now than what I what I am. So that's a big lesson. Let's look at the other side of that. You've had a lot of success as you've been operating in entrepreneurship, running your own business and things that you've been doing. But love for you to share a make or two or a highlight. Well, I was able to write copy for Bob Proctor. So that was pretty cool for his advertising campaigns. One of the highlights, I think, is recently actually so i have a lot of great client successes and and the the second business that i mentioned where i became business partners with her name's tracy you know i built her system for her funnel to book appointments so it was about 12 months ago she came to me and said hey can you do this yep yeah, no problem so we got it and she started getting appointments coming through the door like 20 dollars for a qualified appointment which is still to this day is what we're getting and so i said hey like a few months ago i said hey do you want to because she was getting such great results and i know she didn't love the marketing and sales side of things I said to her, do you want to become business partners? I'll do the marketing and sales. I'll build the sales team and manage that. And you can just focus on what you love to do, which is the, the coaching side. She said, yes. And so we joined forces. And that's really taking off very, very quickly. And again, because of paid advertising. So we actually have to, we're only spending like, I think $200 a day, which I which I increased like just a few days ago. It was $100 a day for the longest time. And that's, even that is too much. Like that's like 20 appointments a day that we're that we're getting qualified appointments for our program. So that's good. So our bottleneck is the sales team. But yeah, so that's about to, we're about to scale that. And, and we can do that very quickly because again, we've got the the paid avatar, like we've got people coming in, they're applying for the program. We jump on the phone with them. All the sales scripts are there. So it's all converting. We just have to get the employees to come on. And then once we do, like really the sky is the limit. We, I've, I've scaled campaigns to $25,000 a day, some of them. And the numbers that we're getting here are better than, than those bigger campaigns. So that's one kind of success that I'm excited about for the future anyway. Oh, wonderful. Well, let's talk about a multiplier. We get a, a really broad mm. response to this multiplier, whether to grow yourself mm. personally, clients you've worked with. This is the question that I've, I'm probably most excited to answer. And it ties into the business that I just mentioned. So with my agency side of things, that's quite hard to scale because in order to turn paid advertising into high-paying clients, which is my skill set, it requires you to be very skilled in copywriting. Like taking cold traffic, turning it into a five, ten, fifteen, twenty-five thousand dollars sale is not an easy thing to do. You need someone with experience. Now I can do it, which is great, but the problem is not many people can do it. So for me to scale that business is extremely hard because I have to go out and find a essentially a copywriter who knows how to do that, who knows how to turn paid ads into high-paying clients so they can, so that I'm no longer in the, in the cog in the wheel. There's kind of two ways to do that is I can go hire a, a top-level copywriter and that would 
just killed my margins and and they usually write you know they're usually running their own business they don't want to work for something for someone else right or i can train someone up and that takes years and then the problem with that is once you train up a copywriter to be able to do that then they leave and they start their own so it's just like this forever repeating cycle the point is it's not scalable right so and that's one of the things that i realized about 12 months ago it's i, I and i felt quite depressed actually because I was like, man, I can't, this, this, I'm always going to be stuck in this business. And that's actually what led me to reach out to Tracy about her business. So I'm like, I need a, I need a different model. And I had like an aha moment. It's like, Hey, I've already built the system with Tracy and, I, and we're already getting great results there. She's just kind of like paying my agency fee. And I realized like, if I become business partners with her and just focus on scaling that up, I've already done the system for her. I don't need to, I've already written the copy for it. I've already created the system. Like that's done. I don't need to do any more work. It's more just like, I just need to hire salespeople really to, so that work is done. And what I realized is in terms of your question, right, is, is the multiplier is like my, all I've done is taken my skill set and put it in a more, more leveraged model, I guess you could say a, a better business model, right? Same skill set, same copywriting. I've just put it inside a, a, a better model. Right. So I had a bigger aha moment. It's like the model that you choose makes such a huge difference. Like coming back to, you know, franchises, right? It's like you can, you can be stuck in your, your own business. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do this business. And then you could start your own, your next location. You, you set it up and you manage it. Or the model there is like you just sell the IP and someone else does that for you. That's a, that's a better model, right? Yes. You may not make as much margins, but you're not doing any of the work. It's more just like passive at that stage. And it's also kind of like, you know, my dad, he was a plumber for his whole life. He was about 55. And he, he, he loved it. And he was just, you know, he was a plumber. He, however, could have taken those skills and he, he could have changed the model and he could have started his own business and had other, you know, he could have taught other plumbers. He, he, he's how to do it and leveraged his skills in a, in a, you know, in a more leveraged way, basically, and made more money. He didn't want to do that, which is totally fine. But the, the point is what I realized is like, you know, the, the model that you go, like your business model makes, the way that you leverage your skills or the way that you make money in your business, it makes such a huge difference. One model can really have you yeah, be, be this cog in, in this wheel where you're doing all the work and you can never really get out and you never really scale or make it really hard to scale. And then there's other model like I'm in now with, with Tracy where literally I've got salespeople closing, got the setters, like, you know, they're coming on board now, like booking appointments. The ads are all set up. I, I literally, I work for like an hour a day. Whereas before it was like, you know, five or six hours a day doing all, you know, re researching the market, crafting my clients' offers, like testing the campaigns. And, and I would have to do that over and over and over again. And it's stressful on the clients because I want to get results from my clients. So I take a lot, a lot of that responsibility. I don't have to worry about that anymore. And all I literally did was just change the, change the model. So that for me is like, if you're an agency, like why, like, Try partner up with one of your, your clients and just do the marketing and sales and they can do what they love, which is the product delivery. That would be a much better model, much less stressful. Yes, it's you take your 50-50. For me, I don't really care because I'm, as I said, I'm working like one hour a day now and, and I can scale so much higher. Like this is a 10 to $20 million a year company where the other one is much more capped because I'm the cog. So that's probably one of my biggest learning, learning experiences in the last 12 months. Thank you for sharing. And Luke, the final question we ask every guest is, what does success mean to you? Yeah, I think it means doing what you love to do. And that's basically it. It doesn't mean to, you know, earn a million dollars a year or, I mean, that's great. That's like a side a side benefit. I think it's just doing what you enjoy doing at the end of the day. Like, 
And and that could mean like if there are certain parts of your business that you don't like, like the admin, you know, accounting or whatever, or marketing and sales, well, if you don't like them, then are you successful? Maybe a little bit, maybe half of what you're doing is successful. Maybe you need to grow your business to offload the marketing and sales, or maybe you don't like the delivery side of things, whatever it might be. I think doing what you enjoy doing is, and then the next small thing is like getting paid, getting paid well to do it. But I think the main thing is like, are you doing what you really enjoy is that's basically it. Like I, I guess you could like, you know, when I left my job 10 years ago, I really liked coaching. I wasn't earning any money, but I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm much, I was earning a lot more in my nine to five job, but I would never go back to the nine to five because I wasn't growing there. I wasn't happy. Yes. It was a bit stressful in the beginning growing, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, but, but I, you know, I guess I consider that a success because I I was on my path and, and I think that's it. Just are you on your path is what I consider success. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you to find out a little bit more about what you're doing and gather some more info? You just check me out on lukecharlton.com. I don't really, I don't bring out any new kind of done for you clients anymore. I'm kind of retired on that side of things, agency side, because of that business that I just mentioned. But I mean, I will do some consulting on your advertising campaigns if you need help with, with advertising and scaling that up. But yeah, it's go to lukecharlton.com. But probably the best place to start is, is my podcast, which is if you just go to lukecharlton.com, you'll see that podcast at the top there called the 15 minute client listen to that i get, I literally give away everything because i'm not selling any courses or i don't really do much anymore i just give it all away so the 15 minute client with luke charles and there's my podcast so check that out i think it's quite valuable luke thank you so much for a fantastic interview let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways So takeaway number one is when Luke was talking about getting a response from cold traffic or a cold list. And one of the things that I thought was excellent is he said, start with what the market actually wants. Market meaning, what does a customer want? And he gave a comparison or example of how attracting an employee to come work for you is the same as customer acquisition. And so when you're going to market to potential employees, very often it's similar to marketing to a cold list. So he said, you need to craft your message to understand what they want. Takeaway number two is tell stories. He made that very clear. He said he uses stories in about 95% of his emails, and they're a great way to illustrate a point and convey something that you're trying to get across. And he said, the format is really simple. You give the story, tell the lesson learned, and then you close. So story, lesson, close. And the close is just the ask at the end. Takeaway number three is when Luke talked about the miss that he had, which was not using paid advertising sooner. And I thought he gave a great reason why. And he said that when you use paid advertising sooner and more often, you're able to figure out very quickly in a short period of time, maybe a week, two weeks, maybe a month or less, which phrases and marketing messages are going to connect with your potential customer. So you're able to figure that out faster in a much more efficient way. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is when Luke was talking about the multiplier and to use systems and processes to multiply and take your skill set to plug that into a better model. 
And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention what he said about franchising your business, which is what we help our clients do and really is the title of our podcast, Multiply Your Success. It's taking that entrepreneur, it's taking what you've already created and figuring out a way to multiply it out. It's more efficient and effective for someone else to take what you've created and execute. And that's what he's done with his business partner, where he's taken his skill set and found a new way to multiply it in an industry with a business partner where it's able to flourish and has a much larger upside potential just because of the market cap or the size of the market that they're targeting. If you do that, it's going to be a win for you, a win for the customers you serve, a win for your team, a win for all parties involved here. And so that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.